Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, September 11th. I'm Ezra Wall. This is MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as major weather events converge on the U.S., emergency management officials share the potential impact on the state. And in everyday tech, find out weather tools that can help keep you informed. And young immigrants and their supporters are speaking out against President Donald Trump's decision to end an immigration program that will help them stay in the country, why they're calling on Congress to act. And finally, the state attorney general is warning Mississippians to avoid buying a flood-damaged vehicle after recent storms. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Pardon me. Hurricane Irma is now downgraded to a tropical storm. She's causing widespread damage through Florida, but is unlikely to have a strong impact here in Mississippi. State officials say they're ready to help with disaster relief and recovery. Lee Smithson is director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. He tells us they're still being cautious. As we stand right now in Mississippi, the impact of Irma will be negligible. Um, you know, we think that uh, we could see rain up to two inches in the northeast part of the state. And so that's just really not a very big concern of us right now. But, of course, the storm has a vote. Uh, it was initially forecast to come up the east side of Florida. Now it's on the west side. And it's continued to shift west you know, over the past two days. So we're watching it. We're cautiously optimistic uh, that it should not have a major impact on the state. But we're ready if it if it does. In Florida, people are pretty mightily affected by this storm. What is Mississippi's response to that going to be? Well, so far we've uh, we've committed 98 people to go to Florida under the Emergency Management Assistance Compact. Uh, this will be our largest deployment of people under EMAC since Superstorm Sandy in 2012 when we sent 90 personnel to New Jersey uh, and Maryland. Since Hurricane Katrina, Mississippi has sent uh, people to other states impacted by a disaster 17 times. So what we're sending right now uh, are 61 search and rescue team members, 26 of them from wildlife, fisheries, and parks. 35 of them are city, county, and state responders uh, that make up our search and rescue task force. Additionally, we're sending two 
Mississippi National Guard CH-47 Chinook helicopters uh, with a total of 20 personnel today. Mississippi State Department of Health is sending six health specialists uh, to help with uh, with health care issues. Uh, we're sending one specialist for mass care, feeding, and sheltering. And then we're also working right now, and this has not been confirmed yet, but trying to get a five-person incident management team uh, to be flown into the Florida Keys. Uh, right now, they're just doing the damage assessments in the Keys to see what it, what is needed. But we've got more assets uh, that we can send. It's just a matter of of waiting and seeing what Florida actually needs. In addition to what Florida needs, do we still have resources in Texas? No. All of the resources that we sent to Texas uh, have deployed back. Where do we stand in terms of how many resources are left here in the state for us to handle, quote-unquote, our own problems? You know, we've sent uh, just one of our three uh, search and rescue task forces uh, with the uh, Wildlife and Fisheries and Parks uh, conservation officers. We only sent 26 of them. We still have well over 100 of them available. Uh, we have Department of Marine Resources that has six boat teams uh, that we did not deploy and probably will not just because that's a coastal asset. Uh, the Mississippi National Guard has got 4,000 troops available uh, for Mississippi. And then, of course, all of our incident management teams from the counties are all intact. So we have not depleted our resources at all at this point. Uh, and again, we will do a risk assessment uh, every time Florida asks us for resources, we'll do a good risk assessment to see if we can, in fact, manage that risk of sending them. What's the advice uh, from MEMA's perspective as far as people who might be prone to self-deploy or start collecting something without working with a, with a nonprofit organization first? Well, we ask that uh, Mississippians uh, who do want to help do it correctly. If you self-deploy and you have not coordinated that uh, with Florida, then you will be more in the way than you will you will help out. Fuel is going to continue to be short in Florida for days, if not weeks, to come. So if you go to Florida and then buy gas, you're pulling a precious commodity away from them. So what we're asking everyone who wants to help out, and please don't think that I'm discouraging them. I'm not, but you need to if you want to volunteer, you need to go to www.volunteerflorida. Org. That's one word, Volunteer Florida. That website, you can register as an individual volunteer, a group, or a church, and then they will give you mission assignments of where you need to go. There will be work to be done in Florida uh, for months to come, so anyone who wants to help will be afforded the opportunity. We just need to do it well. For anyone who wants to donate money, you can go to, you can text the word DISASTER to 20222 or go through the normal channels of the Salvation Army uh, or through your, any of the faith-based organizations. I just need to remind everyone that uh, Hurricane Jose is still out in the Atlantic. And right now it looks like by Thursday of this week, Jose will be a Category 2 storm and heading to the west. So, you know, we're keeping a very, very close eye on Jose because we're not out of the woods yet with that storm, nor are we out of the woods yet for the rest of hurricane season. Hurricane season goes until when? Until December the 1st. All right. Lee Smithson is executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Mr. Smithson, thank you very much for sharing this information with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Some Mississippians have stepped up as volunteers in Texas as the Houston area works to recover from the damage and flooding left by Hurricane Harvey. Director Smithson last week told MPB's Mark Rigsby the storms highlight the state and federal emergency management funding issue. 
I think that Mississippi has been doing a phenomenal job of getting the donated goods collected and then pushed to uh, to Texas to help the people, especially of the Houston area. Uh, it'll be months and months before the recovery is even beginning to be completed there. So there's a huge need right now in the Houston metropolitan area for cleaning supplies, gloves, boots, uh, and then certainly bottled water, non-perishable food, Gatorade, that kind of thing. So anything that you can imagine that someone would need to clean up a home that's been flooded, that's what they need, and they'll continue to need that for the months to come. What has the state of Mississippi been doing uh, to help people in Texas? Well, we've really been working hard with uh, with the National VOAD to coordinate. Uh, the biggest thing is is coordinating uh, what we have available to the people who need it and not just a massive push of donated goods with no real end destination on it. So uh, MEMA, uh, the Mississippi Commission on Volunteer Services, uh, and the Mississippi Volunteer Organizations Active in Disasters have really been working hard with the Texas partners to make sure that we match the needs of what they need with what the donated assets that we put together. Uh, and so far, the turnout has been phenomenal. Florida is going to be like Houston in uh, South Texas is. That recovery is going to take years um, to accomplish. How prepared are we as a nation to handle more storms of this magnitude. I think we saw last week that the president had to push Congress to raise the debt limit. Uh, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has put it out to the nation that this needs to serve as a wake-up call to our state legislatures to increase the budget for emergency management because in the years since Hurricane Katrina, we've seen budgets that have been greatly reduced in emergency management. It's time now to take a good assessment and see what could happen. Two phenomenal storms hitting the United States within a week of each other. And as you said, we're just in the beginning of the peak of hurricane season. Can we withstand another hurricane? Well, we'd have to. You know, I mean, we can't just say, hey, no more hurricanes because we're stressed out. If a hurricane comes, Americans are resilient. Mississippians are very, very resilient. We'll do what we have to do if we get hit by another storm. But I can tell you this, that uh, it's going to stretch the federal government's ability to pay for disasters if we get hit with something else. So, you know, we're planning for the worst, hoping for the best. But if, if something hits Mississippi this hurricane season, we're ready for it. MEMA Director Lee Smithson with our Mark Rigsby. Again, hurricane season goes uh, through November 30th. Coming up, now that the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program is ending, immigrant rights supporters are rallying in support of the DREAM Act. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilkes Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're discussing weather technology. So today we're discussing understanding the technology behind the weather forecast. Yeah, there's quite a bit of it there. I've always been really fascinated by the weather myself as well, and especially in our area. You know, we see hurricanes, we see tornadoes, we see flash floods, we see high winds, we see, you know, lightning storms, and there's so much of it out there. And now we can be so connected with so many available apps, it's almost like we've turned everyone into an amateur meteorologist. What we have to be cautious of, though, is to not let that become a false sense of security. We still do need the professionals behind there to make sure that we're making the right decisions. Absolutely. You know, I get uh, tuned to uh, 
waking up every morning and asking my Echo what the weather's like. And she'll tell me, hey, it probably won't rain today. And it's raining outside, so it's not always the most reliable technology, but it, it definitely helps. So it's good to pull up your weather apps, go to uh, weather.com, and uh, check the forecast yourself. Look at the radar and see what's coming through, because maybe the Echo wasn't updated with the current weather yet, and it still thought that it wasn't going to rain based on what reports it had. And it's like so many other things. You can't just rely on the technology to be your only tool. you got to still use the best computer of all, which is actually in between your ears. Absolutely. As speaking of computers, when we're talking about online stuff uh, with posts on social media regarding your weather, you want to be extremely skeptical of what you see and make sure that you go and cross-check that with a couple of different sources to make sure that the information is legitimate because it's very easy for disinformation regarding the weather to go out over social media. All it takes is clicking share. Right. And really, if we think about this, you know, beyond the is it going to rain today or is it going to be sunny and hot? What we're really talking about when we're talking about weather and weather technology is we're talking about safety. We're talking about the safety of ourselves, the safety of our family. You know, that's where I'm really curious on the weather. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have a weather app on your phone and you need access to the weather, you can go to Google and put in weather and your zip code and it will take you right to your local forecast. So what are some apps that people can use to stay weather aware? Well, of course, weather.com has their own app, and there's several other ones out there that some people prefer. Personally, on my iPhone, I use the app from Weather Underground. I really tend to like some of their prediction. It's pretty easy to understand. It gives me the information that I need. has even a little widget so I can get really quick information. So it's always been helpful. I know there's several others out there as well. So are these apps reliable? We always say with your apps, it's good to read your reviews and make sure that it's a legit app because there's always the possibility that somebody could create an app that also has something malicious in it. So definitely read your reviews. Ultimately, they're going to be pulling their data from NOAA or some other um, official government source when it comes to weather. That's where they're going to be getting their, you know, storm tracks and radars from. So it's really kind of hard unless they're really going out of their way to be malicious. So with all this weather technology, what does this actually mean for the average listener? What we run into a lot of times, and this is truly the case with a lot of technology, and that is a lack of a common language. It's much like going in and talking with your doctor about your health care. If you can't at least understand some of where they're coming from, it's very hard for you to take an active role in your own care. And that is exactly the same when it comes to the weather. We need to understand what are some of these terms and what are some of these tools that the meteorologists are using so that we can take an active role in keeping ourselves and our families safe. We will talk more about weather technology on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilt Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in for Karen Brown. 
Mississippi advocates are urging Congress to pass the DREAM Act. That would create a path to citizenship for young undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children. Some advocates and immigrants rallied at in Jackson on Friday to support the measure. DACA, or the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, is being phased out by President Donald Trump. 23-year-old Suzanne Solis is here with her, two, her two-year-old daughter. Solis's parents brought her from Mexico to Mississippi when she was just seven. The high school grad says her DACA permit expires in December, and she's applied for a renewal, which is still possible through October 5th. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier why she attended the rally. People need to know people's stories, and we need to contribute to it. If not, they're not going to hear us. What do you think about the DREAM Act? Because that is what is the next step for Mississippi advocates to encourage the Mississippi delegation to support it. It says it right there. It's for people to pursue their dreams, you know, and I love my country. I love Mexico, but they don't have the opportunities that we have here. And just by graduating high school is a big blessing from here because you go to a high school over there and it's nothing compared to here. It's, It's just, it's not the same. You won't get the same. It's You can become a doctor here. It's so hard to become a doctor there. Even if you graduate high school, I mean, it's not the same. So here, you know, to be able to graduate high school, to be able to even go to a community college, it's it's a blessing. So what do you want people to know who say you should go back and then come in legally? I understand where they're coming from. But then again, I mean, it's like we didn't choose to be here, but we're blessed to be here. You know, because our parents brought us here because they wanted better opportunities for us. And I think that's why, I mean, other people try to work and work and work so their kids can have better. It's the same thing. Maybe they look at it the bad way because they did it illegally. They didn't come here legally. But they just wanted a better life for their family, just like they want a better life for their family. They want better things for their kids. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Dax Fairchild is a teacher from Morton. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier he wants to support his students. I'm a teacher, and uh, I have taught many immigrant students, and I have found that you know many of those students have been some of my best students, and they've added a lot of value in my classroom. and And I believe that you know many of our in- immigrants here add value to our society and our economy, and and I think it's 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 our duty to stand up for them. What do you say to the argument that they are not here legally and so they need to go back and go through the process to come legally? They're taking strides to become legal. They're paying a fee, near near 500 bucks for, you know, two years. And hopefully during that time span they're working towards becoming a legal citizen. They're also taxpayers. They can also become taxpayers, get a Social Security number, and contribute into our economy our Social Security system, and and some of those may not even reap the benefits of the Social Security system when it comes time to, you know, receive those funds back. Why do you think this is such a volatile issue? Honestly, I think that this is a political move. I think that this is used as as a political tool and a political toolbox, and these issues have not changed. This is part of American history. We have a history of doing this ever since the conception of this country, using the immigrant argument uh, for political gain. 
and I believe that it's, it's only right for us to speak up for them, even if it doesn't directly impact us. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. The DREAM Act has been introduced in Congress several times, but hasn't made it to a vote. We reached out to the Mississippi congressional delegation. Uh, Some members responded. Republican Senator Thad Cochran says in a statement, he'll work with his colleagues to find a legislative solution to the immigration issue. Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson also says in a statement, he supports the DREAM Act, which ensures the DREAMers, as they're called, have protections to avoid deportation. Governor Phil Bryant says he supports President Trump's decision. Well, I think the president did the right thing. I think President Trump uh, made the right decision. It is Congress's decision uh, under the law and under the Constitution to make uh, any laws regarding immigration. I think President Obama knew that when he made the decision uh, to unilaterally uh, enforce DACA. And it's been in the courts for this period of time. I think the Supreme Court now would have overturned it. And there were other states, including I had been in contact with other states that had wished to challenge that ruling. Congress has six months. We need a uniform immigration law. Uh, We need to know how now we are going to protect our borders, how we're going to protect workers uh, in the United States of America, and how we're going to enforce our current immigration laws. Congress is going to have to step up and make those decisions. It is not the authority of the president. There's a lot of frustration with the country's legal immigration system. Would you agree that, that it needs to be easier to immigrate to our country legally? I think legally, absolutely. I think there's a certain amount of people that we need uh, that are doing jobs across this country and they're being productive and paying taxes. We just need to make sure there is a legal proper system to follow so we understand who these individuals are. We're able to accept them into the nation. We do some background checks so we don't, we're not allowing felons or, or other dangerous people into this country. But I think Congress can now look, as we did during the Reagan administration, some additional uniformed laws regarding legal immigration into the nation, and I hope they do so. Our plan is to let Congress do their job. They've got six months. They're in session. You've already seen Senator Lindsey Graham in a bipartisan effort with a Democratic senator begin to move forward legislation. I think that's exactly what the president anticipated would happen. I think you'll see strong debate on both sides, but I think uh, hopefully before the end of this year we'll have some I think fair and uniform immigration laws that, as I said, protect the American worker, make sure that we know who is here and secure our borders. Governor Phil Bryant on the president's decision to end the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Coming up, a warning from the state attorney general before you buy a used car. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Deep South Dining, we want to know what's happening in your kitchen. Kevin Farrell and Deborah Hunter are going to be taking your phone calls and answering your emails as we want to find out what is or is not happening in your kitchen. As always, Deborah's going to bring in something delicious for us to talk about, but we want to hear from you and learn what you are cooking. So tune in to the next Deep South Dining today, 9 a.m., only on MPB Think Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast using any podcast app. Just search Deep South Dining. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in for Karen Brown today. Mississippi car buyers should be cautious when shopping at used car markets, particularly after a flood event, according to Attorney General Jim Hood. He's warning Mississippians of the possibility of the sale of flood-damaged vehicles after recent storms in Texas, Florida, and Louisiana. General Hood tells MPB's Mark Rigsby damaged vehicles could hit the market soon. 
Well, our message is try to let consumers know that it may be a problem over the next six to nine months uh, of the vehicles that have been flooded in in Houston, Texas. you got to realize uh, that city's population is more than that of the state of Mississippi. So there will be a lot of vehicles to hit the, hit the market. So we just want to let people know that if you're going to buy a uh, used vehicle, check some signs. Check for things like if there's moisture inside your instrument panel. My advice is to you know, do, a, do a Carfax check, the, check the title on the vehicle. And take it to a mechanic if you got any questions or to a body shop. Let them run the codes because even though a light may not be on in the vehicle, uh, the codes will show a historical problem with any kind of sensors. And really what our concern with flood vehicles is the electronics. And that's where the safety factor comes in if, if all that shuts down. So we just want people to do their due diligence if you're buying a used vehicle. And dealers as well. We're trying to make sure, you know, a dealer can get ripped off. Somebody can come in with a flooded vehicle and, and they may miss it. But we want them to do the checking as well uh, when they turn around and sell them to an unsuspected consumer. Is there anything on the surface that would tip someone off that's trying to buy one of these used cars that they could feel or see? Yeah, for example, if tail lights or or headlights have moisture behind the glass, if you smell, you know, mold or mildew, that's an obvious sign. If you smell something trying to cover it up, you know, some type of sense, it's it's wise to to pull up the floor mat, look underneath to see if there is mold under the floor mat. Just pay more attention. Check for these telltale signs. Attorney General Jim Hood, thanks for being on Mississippi Edition. We do appreciate your time. Uh, Well, thank you. And the attorney general says if you're about to take a bath on a flood-damaged vehicle, you can contact the Consumer Protection Division of his office at 800-281-4418. That's 800-281-4418. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. At 10, now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Mississippi Edition continues tomorrow right here on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.